it's a sensitive subject. And it's one that I was a little hesitant to talk about, but I think it's really important. And sometimes we have to just rip the Band-Aid off to let the wound heal. This episode, we are diving into the subject of childhood obesity and how as parents and working with doctors, we can help coach our kids in a more positive way. Today, I'm interviewing Sheila Carroll. She's a mom, a pediatrician, and an obesity medicine physician, as well as a life and weight coach. She works with the parents of kids who are struggling with their extra weight so that the parents can create a healthy lifestyle through nutrition, sleep, movement, and emotional regulation skills, which ends up helping the whole family and improving the family's well-being. This episode, we are really focusing on those lifestyle habits that can make a big difference. We live in a time right now where one out of three children are considered obese, and the life expectancy of this generation will not exceed its parents' generation, and that is the first time in history that this has happened. I know that together that we can make a big difference. We just need to talk about it in a methodical and logical and mature way without inflaming anyone. And I hope you'll find that this interview will do just that. Let's dig in and listen and act because we need to make a difference. Hi, I'm Chef Maria, the Fit Foodie, and this is Recipes for Your Best Life, where we dish about all things related to food, health, and wellness to nourish you from the inside out. I love hosting special guests who are experts in their field. And we also get to talk about topics that are important for your well-being. You'll always get lots of food for thought you can really sink your teeth into. So pull up a chair and welcome to the chef's table. Dr. Carol, welcome to the show. Thank you so much for having me. Thank you for being here. You know, um, I, you know, being a parent, obviously, I have such a heart for my kids, but I realize I have a real heart for other people's kids too. How did you decide to go down the road of pediatrics in your medical discipline? In the third year of my medical school, we rotated through every discipline. So a month of two months of OBGYN, two months of psychiatry and, you know, time in pediatrics. And when I did my pediatrics rotation, I really felt at home. I felt this is what I, you know, I love kids and I, I have always loved kids. I started babysitting when I was really little. And so I, I feel like it's just a natural fit for me to go right into pediatrics. Yeah, I love that. In fact, I have to tell you, um, just yesterday, I posted a graphic on my Instagram. Everybody should go take a look at it because it so articulates to me what the importance of children um, the importance of children in our lives. And basically it's three traffic signs. I'm pulling up the graphic right now. It's three traffic signs that are stacked up on top of each other. The first one says, um, oh, here, I'll get it. The first one says, basically, if you want to, uh, plant for the next year, plant rice. If you want to plant for the next 10 years, plant trees. If you want to plant for the next hundred years, plant education mm. in children. Mm. And I just, that, that like resonated so strongly with me because education is not just reading, writing, and arithmetic. Mm. Education is life skills. It's how do we navigate through our everyday and come out as triumphant human beings, right? Um, mm. And a lot of that has to do with our habits that we start at an early age. So let's dive into that because your discipline um, beyond pediatrics is really helping with weight management. Is that how you would describe it? Yeah, I, so I have um, started to help parents 
of kids who are struggling carrying extra weight mm -hmm. or having weighing more than they want to. Um, and the, the core of that, well, for all of us is our lifestyle. And what we mean by that is, um, nutrition, yeah. sleep, movement, and what you were just talking about, these life skills, social, they call it in my son's school, social emotional learning, SEL. Oh, yeah. And basically emotional regulation. In adults, they call it stress management, but it's helping kids understand why they're feeling what they're feeling, you know, and, and you know, kind of empowering them that it's okay to feel all of these things and just to be, you know, to have this mind body connection that um, is so important for overall health. Well, what in your practice is the age group where you start to see the issues start to transpire? Is there a distinct age group that you're noticing? Well, if you read the literature, the older kids get, that's the, there's more prevalence of overweight and obesity. Um, and old by older, what age bracket? Well, they, we're just, so we're talking pediatric, so it's like zero to, you know, 19 or zero to 18. Right. Um, and so there's more kids that are overweight and obese that are 15 than, say, like 10-year-olds. Yes. But honestly, what we've been seeing in the past, you know, well, I've been in clinical practice for more than 20 years, is we are seeing babies born, born, um, they call it large for gestational age. They don't call it, you know, under two. There's no hmm. medical label for a baby. But babies are uh, moms, mom's nutrition, mom's, you know, pregnant women's eating habits are creating a hormonal environment in, their, in the babies that are creating babies that are born quite large, too. Hmm. So we're seeing it from the get-go from conception really. So how, okay, let's take a step back for a second. How is that evaluated? Is there an actual obesity? Is it just basically what's on the scale? Is it how much the, the, yeah, so it depends on how old you are. Is it a BMI measurement? How is that being evaluated? Two and up, it's people, um, pediatricians tend to, or, you know, doctors tend to use BMI. Mm -hmm. um, and for babies, newborns, there's graphs, um, different scales that you can put in the baby's gestational age and plot them out. Um, and, and then under two, there's kind of like not really good true medical definitions of obesity. But, but weight and, and size, basically. Yeah, so oh, so BMI, you know, is your weight. And your body mass index. For yeah, obesity. your body mass yeah. index. It's your weight um, and your height, the square root of your height. Um, it's a calculation. And it's a rough estimate of yeah. what, what it's really trying to speak to is uh, adiposity or fat tissue. So mm -hmm. carrying extra carrying extra adipose tissue. Right. Um, so, yeah. so as we get older, and I want to clarify for people, because I know I have a lot of listeners who are in the, the fitness muscle and fitness kind of arenas, you know, yeah. as, uh, as we get older, um, BMI is just one measurement, you know, because oftentimes you'll have somebody who is pretty muscular that could mm -hmm. actually index as uh, being obese, which we I know Tom Brady is technically obese. I like, know, right? So obviously it makes no yeah. sense whatsoever. But yeah. when we're talking about a child, when we're talking about, um, you know, under a certain age, we're not really looking at that. We're looking at really true BMI uh, or a truer look at BMI because we're not, you know, a baby obviously doesn't have muscle yet. So yeah, um, we have a little bit, but not a lot, a little bit, but not much. Yeah. Yeah. But, but the point here is you're seeing that the trend is now um, is now leaning much younger. And a lot of that is because of what mom is eating while baby is in utero. So in this case, this is a true lifestyle or, or dietary choice that is then leading to this. Does that set a child up for a, an uphill battle when they are born this way? I think, 
you know, the researchers are really trying to figure that out. Like if you are born, you know, there's data that suggests if you're born underweight, so there's a term large for gestational age, those are the big babies. And then there's small for gestational age. If you're born underweight, which technically means under 2,500 grams, that predisposes you for overweight later in life. Hmm. So because what's happening is, so for example, if you're a baby in utero, and it growing, but you might, you might not be getting good blood supply from whatever reason or infection, your body might, the baby's body might have some altered gene expression where they now are really good at saving energy, you know, AKA weight. And yeah. so that keeps going as they, as they age. So not every baby that's born small for gestational age will end up overweight. It's not like you're predestined for any of those things. But I guess the point is like, you know, yes, lifestyle, mom's lifestyle. And it's not, a, I, I don't at all want to um, shame anybody or blame anybody or say, this is your choice. Like it's honestly the water we are swimming in. It is this food environment that we're in that um, is, yes, people have a choice, yes. but at the same time, we've made it really difficult for people um, to fully understand what they're eating. And um, it takes some real digging to really understand what you're eating and how it's really affecting you. Okay. So putting aside babies, because obviously at that point they're, you know, um, you're kind of dealt the cards yeah. that you have. Yeah. Yeah. But once once we get to about the age of five, five is roughly when your taste buds have become pretty well imprinted. So um, the, the things that you are predisposed to craving or wanting are pretty set by age five, which is a pretty young age. But between you know the time that you are now weaned off of mother's milk and you're eating solid food, um, you're able to make some choices and let your parents know or let your you know parent know what you like as a child. Are we giving our kids way too much free reign at that point to say, I will only eat pizza or I will only eat chicken nuggets or if I see a vegetable, I'm going to throw a tantrum. How do we get to that point? Because we're seeing that now so much more where, you know, all you have to do is look at a kid's menu and see this is what we've sort of molded our kids to to thinking that that's what a kid eats. Right. And, you know, lots of countries all over the world, they don't even have kids menus. So kids yeah. eat what their parents eat in other. I, and- I'm one of them. Yes. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. And so I think helping parents understand that humans and babies, uh, especially babies, but like all of us, we're wired to, to want something sweet. Uh, the way the humans evolved over the course of time, anytime we got something sweet, it's a dopamine response in our brain, which tells us, oh, this is good for me. I should keep eating that, number one. It's, so it's part of that learning pathway. Mm-hmm. Um, and and it tastes good. So kids want it. So of course, I just tell parents, of course, they want something sweet, you know, that's normal. But what it doesn't mean is that they they're incapable or they can't eat vegetables or even fruit, you know, because the the processed foods and the concentrated flours and sugars, they are so concentrated that it's hard for it. For, for someone who's eating a lot of processed foods to really enjoy the natural sweetness of yeah. a peach or an apple or something. Yeah. But, it's, we've, we've like programmed people to think everything needs to have a sauce. Everything yeah, needs to be yeah. altered. Um, yeah. what, the good news is, oops, sorry. No, I was just to say about the taste. It's not, no. the, you know, our taste buds turn over every 14 days. Yeah. And so are, you know, we can change the way we, if you gave up sugar for 14 days, gave up added sugars for 14 days, you would get really used to 
the way the way vegetables taste and the way you know it's just so there it's not like total game over um you just have to be willing to go through the process so we are if we are to be sort of the frontal lobe of our children um, and helping them to make better choices. What does a parent do when their kid just refuses to eat, like has a meltdown or um, just will not eat if they're, you know, trying to do the right thing and encourage them to eat well? I mean, I think there are people out there listening that are like, that's my kid. If you, if I try and do this or take away what they love, they just won't eat or they'll have a meltdown. How do you manage through that? So first of all, don't panic. (laughs) I think a lot of parents, it's such a primal need as a parent to feed your child (laughs) and make sure your child is fed, you know? Um, So my recommendation is to always have at least one thing that they like to eat or that you know they eat. Um, And depending on where you're at and how, you know, how, what kind of changes you want to make, you can slowly, you don't have to change everything all at once. You can slowly make some changes that, and that's easier for kids than having, you know, all of a sudden every favorite food is completely gone. But I think not panicking and then just staying the course. Mm -hmm. Parents having the confidence, like, like sometimes say like, you know, I would never give my son a beer. He's 11, you know, no matter how hard he threw a fit or cried, because I totally believe it's just not right for him at this age, you know? And so when parents get that confidence and get that commitment to, you know what, we have, we want to change. We want to become people who are healthy eaters. Mm -hmm. And then it's a big, you know, it's not, it's not great. My son, I, I sometimes cook things and he's like, Oh man, you know, <laughs> and I just wish it was easier, but it's, yeah. you know, I'm also just like, well, I'm willing to tolerate that discomfort of, of him being not that happy with dinner or lunch because I truly believe it's the best thing for him. Yeah. And I think we have so many advances in terms of available ingredients, better Mm. for you things that you can do to substitute one for another and make it more palatable. Talk to us a little bit about food as a reward, because I think that this is maybe one of the most dangerous things that we can do as parents you know, when we, we see it so often, you know, I hear it so often, like, if you eat this, then you can have dessert. Or if you are, you know, do well in school, then you get to have this. And seeing that reward of food um, in exchange for something, a, an accomplishment, how, yeah. how do you see that? Do you think that can be used in a constructive way or is it something to be avoided? would try to avoid that. I think that sets a stage for, you know, that that's one kind of emotional eating um, where you're training your child to, or you're not training them on purpose, but you're inadvertently using food in a way that food was never meant to be used. Yeah. Because, you know, nobody's saying, well, if you, you know, if you're really good at your, you know, whatever, practice a piano, I'm going to give you some carrots. Like, no, people are only rewarding with, you know, highly processed, highly sugared foods, Yeah, which is a reward for people, you know? So, um, I think we do it in the doctor's office. Oh, you have a shot. Here's, you know, here's a lollipop. Yeah, And it's just like, Oh my God. Yeah. Yeah. It's so true. It's like I walk into church and there's donuts when we first walk in. Like, ah, you know, yeah. Youth sports, it's nuts. Like the snacks and um, even like the quote healthy, you know, or, you know, energy drinks, like the sports energy drinks, they're terrible. Terrible, terrible. terrible. Yeah. So, so keeping food and, and, you know, rewarding with food out of the mix. Mm. What advice can you give to parents that are just, again, trying to do the right thing? Maybe, you know, kids are set in their ways. They want to eat certain things, but you just want to get that broccoli in or that spinach in. Like, how do you 
advise parents to do that so that their kids will tolerate it? Keep trying. I would never force somebody to eat something because what we really want is we we ultimately want a child to step into the role of wanting to be a healthy eater. We yeah. want them to want to move every day, go to bed, get the right amount of sleep. We want them to you know have the autonomy to do all of these things. And nobody yeah. likes to be forced to do anything. So I would not recommend forcing your child to eat you know, eat anything. I would recommend trying to make it taste as good as possible for them. And that if for vegetables, if vegetables are like a struggle for a family, that might include at the very beginning, a sauce that might not be the healthiest sauce, but at least they're, you know, and put a little bit of sauce on it. So they're, yeah. they're tasting the vegetable, but yet it's also like the sauce, which is gonna, and then over time, the more they get used to it, you know, there's conflicting things, but people say it's like either 15 or 18. I forget exactly. That's how many times sometimes a child has to see something on their plate to um, to really be willing to, you know, 15 to 20 times. Absolutely. Yeah. And yeah. Um, and so, you know, I think, you know, would you say that sometimes we entangle our own insecurities in with these issues, like we fear rejection that our kids are not going to like what we made, or we fear they're going to be mad at us, or we fear that there's going to be some sort of, you know, backlash, thrown peas across the, the wall or, you know, spit out spinach. I mean, is that our own security that kind of gets entangled with our wanting to you know, kind of just maybe avoid the subject or, you know, you know because, yeah, because it can be a challenge and because there's usually pushback. Yeah. It, some parents are tired, you know, depending on, you know, if you, what meal it is. Um, I, one thing I think, especially if we're talking about kids, parents of kids who are struggling with extra weight is that, um, oh my gosh, I just completely lost my train of thought. Um, <laughs> Oh, I got it back. The yeah. parents might, they, they fear saying the wrong thing, harming their child by implying they need to eat vegetables, yeah. you know, and, and I think that that's sometimes parents don't know what to do with those feelings of like, okay, you know, they don't want to be even viewed ever as telling their child that they have a problem or their parent thinks something's wrong with them. And so, but I think there's definitely ways around that. And that's, that's that the whole approach is we're changing as a family. Yeah. I, you know, the parent can say, I learned, I read this or I learned this new thing and I realized, whoa, we are not eating enough vitamin A or whatever. And, and so you're not, it's not putting any, um, specific requirements on one child. Um, and, and then the parent has to do it too. So yeah. everybody changes as a family. Yeah. Have you ever wondered, is rinsing my produce with the water that comes out of the sink that I don't even drink enough to really clean it? Well, then you're one of the smartest people I know. Cause you're absolutely right. It's not enough. That's why we created the only all-natural and patented line of food wash and wipes, and it's called Eat Cleaner. It's tasteless, odorless, and lab-tested, and it removes up to 99.9% .9 of the residue that water can't, including pesticides, wax, soil, and junk that can carry bacteria that can really make you sick. Plus, we formulated it to help extend the shelf life of your fresh produce too, and that'll save you money. When your berries are lasting up to 10, 12 days, you know that's a good thing. It helps your produce last up to five times longer using a natural blend of fruit acids and antioxidants. So there's no chemicals, it's just clean eating fun. And this can help save your family an average of over $500 per year. Make it easy on yourself, reduce waste, and get that fruit and veggies into your body where it's gonna do you a lot of good and not in the trash. Check us out eatcleaner.com or head to our Amazon store 
at amazon.com forward slash eat cleaner. Okay, I'm going to address the elephant in the room. Okay. We as a society have a real hard time talking about obesity, especially with kids, because there is this thought that it is fat shaming. Mm -hmm. How do we address this in a safe and um, constructive way so that we are potentially avoiding any destructive behavior and really focusing on the benefits. And let me, let me just um, give you sort of a backstory for why I'm asking this. So recently I was hired to teach a family, specifically their 16 year old son, how to cook healthy because he had recently lost 75 pounds. He was over a hundred pounds overweight at 15 Mm -hmm. and uh, was, you know, um, obviously kind of going through his own changes and desiring to, you know, in their families wanting to, for him to eat better, really wanted him to learn because he's got an interest in cooking, but the parents don't cook, especially, you know, the, the mom who's with them most of the time does not cook. She doesn't have any confidence in cooking. So, um, it really led to a lot of issues, but, you know, how do we kind of just address this without hurting people? Because I feel like we've got to open the door for discussion to let the healing happen. But if we can't even bring the discussion up because we're going to step on somebody's toes or hurt someone's feelings, like it's it's stuck between a rock and a hard place. Mm, yeah. Well, lots of times, you know, there's a push in the medical community to ask permission may we talk about your weight or may we talk about, you know, your, your health, your nutrition or some, you know, something like that. So with an adult, you want to get their permission and buy-in because if they're not really, if they don't really want to talk about it, you know, they're an adult, that's, that's up to them, honestly. Um, And for a child, you know, I think what we really should be focusing on is their health, their overall health, and not their weight. Um, and and just stepping away from anything that has to do with numbers on a scale or size of anything. And first, really focusing on parents, focusing on um, what's really important is, is, is the child's worthiness and they're 100% worthy they're a hundred percent valuable right from the beginning losing weight or changing any habit you know is not going to make you more valuable or a better person or more worthy you know and you could you can use this approach even with school like getting an a doesn't mean you're a better you know child or you're more valuable than getting a d you know so really because our society is so um, thin focused. And we, you know, we, people do feel shame. I mean, I was an overweight kid and I, I noticed, like, I felt ashamed of myself because I was overweight. I knew there was something different about me than everybody else. So kids feel that. Yeah. And I think being willing to talk about it and not, and not try to convince them that they shouldn't feel that way because they do feel that way. So just be willing for the parent and it's hard to see your child upset, but be willing to sit there and let them experience their negative emotion in that feeling. And, you know, and then, okay, so, you know, what are, what are small steps we can take? And that's the, the child doesn't have to do that, but the parent can start doing that, you know, figuring out what to do next. And I have to believe that, you know, empowering the parents to have this education. Um, It doesn't have to be, you don't have to have a nutrition degree, but to have basic fundamental education so that you can be the mentor to your children. Because look, I worked with the school districts in 
California, up and down the coast. And what we deem as, you know, the right nutrients is very skewed. It's very different from school district to school district. In some school districts, pizza is a vegetable, you know? So, um, so I think the onus to me really falls on us as parents to be that frontal lobe. Mm-hmm. Um, how do you empower, empower parents to actually take that step of feeling comfortable with advising um, their kids and guiding their kids on nutrition? So that's actually preventative rather than waiting to fix a problem. We're actually taking progressive steps to do it while we can to, to raise healthy kids. Yeah. So, you know, my approach is education for them, acquire the knowledge, you know, depend, people have certain knowledge gaps or, you know, or try to figure out what that is and okay, fill in those knowledge gaps. You know, they're simple. You don't have to be complex. You don't have to have a complicated um, PhD to understand, you know, the the science of weight loss and uh, weight gain and weight loss can be quite simple. Um, So have people understand that. And then the next step is really helping them, you know, believe that they can do it themselves. They can help their child. They can make these changes. I mean, honestly, so many adults are struggling themselves to change, struggling themselves to live a healthy lifestyle. Um, So there's a lot of, that's where like coaching is so amazing and so powerful. You can, you can help um, uncover people's limiting belief systems. Why, why do they think they can't do it? Or they, they might think, yeah, I can do it. But there's some other few little thoughts in there that are really blocking them. And that's why they're not doing it. So, mm-hmm. you know, some giving them the knowledge they need and the helping them really find the belief in themselves, make the commitment to doing it, um, and then take action, decide every day, yeah. you know, okay, I'm just gonna, you know, do what I can today. Yeah. And it's, it can be very simple. It seems like an overwhelming process. That's what I was going to say. It can seem so daunting, but it can be really simple. You know, I used to teach cooking classes for kids and their parents. And uh, I would, you know, simple things like put a handful of greens in a smoothie, you know, and let them be involved in the process because kids love to have their hands in it. Let them press the button on the blender. Let them mix the batter, let them, you know, peel the the vegetables or wash the vegetables, you know, letting them have a hand in it. And then, um, you know, encouraging them to try things with your guidance, because the data shows that kids are 85% more likely to try something if they've had a hand in it. So while we think, you know, let them sit on the side and call them when dinner's right. No, let them be a part of the process, put them into the mix with you. And that's one of the most powerful ways you can really get them to try new things. I agree. And even taking them shopping and even the step before that, okay, let's, let's sit down and talk about like, what would be some good meals for us this week? Yeah. What do you you love? Yeah. Yeah, What do you love and how can we, you know, make this something that we know is going to be good for us. Yeah. And the more bought in they are in that regard, then, then that speaks to their autonomy. Right. And now that they've, they've agreed and they're participating of their own free will that then that that's good. Yeah. I was on a show called Recipe Rehab and uh, we would take um, recipes from families across the country that wanted to enjoy their family recipes, but make them healthier. I loved that show format because the whole family got involved in making the recipe. So like I had one recipe that was chocolate cake and it has pureed beets in it. And I remember watching footage of the family going, pureed beets, gross. And then when they made it, they were like, this is like the best cake we've ever had. So actually, what I would say is don't hide that from your kids. Just let them see it, but then let them taste that because you want them to be 
educated. Do you, do you agree with that or should we hide the veggies? Should we sneak? Oh, man. I don't think hiding, I don't think hiding anything from your kids is a good idea to tell you the truth. You know, like pretty much anything. I think I'm not, a. I, I think kids want to be healthy, you know, and I think just sharing that with them and, you know, I think that's so powerful. Yeah. And especially if it ends up tasting great, they'll be like, oh, this is, this is good for me and tastes great. Yeah. Um, if, if you were to kind of, um, and maybe you have this kind of already pre-formulated, but what should a parent be focused on with regards to nutrition every day for their kids? Is there sort of a, um, a formula for that? Is there a certain calorie count that we're after? How do you actually sort of, um, I guess, prescribe what they should be eating every day for those proactive parents who just want to get ahead of the curve? I think we could steer away from calorie counting, steer away from macros, anything like that. That kind of has like a diet mentality to it. Hmm. That's not a lifelong strategy for wellness. So what I, my biggest focus for parents is trying to push out the processed food as much as possible, you know, um, controlling what you can control, doing what you can at home, but focusing on um, whole, you know, real unprocessed foods, because that allows a child to really be in touch with their true hunger and their true hunger signals. Um, And we want our kids, we want all of us to really eat when we're hungry and stop, you know, before we're full, really stop when we've had enough and use food for fuel, so to speak. Um, And so I, and if you were to look in a textbook, like it depends on your age, depends on your gender, about how many calories and things you need. But, you know, kids go through growth spurts and different different times. And, you know, if somebody if my son says that I'm still hungry, even after he ate dinner, I would offer him more dinner or offer him something healthy. You know, um, I wouldn't say, oh, you know have ice cream. A little bit of ice cream is fine, but that is not really, you know, what we're going for. We're going for, if you're hungry, eat real food. Yeah. And I think for people, you know, listening, um, the, to define processed foods, can we just kind of break that down? Because I think sometimes people just think junk food or fast food, but processed food is actually you can find processed food in a healthy food store. Yeah, tons right? of it. Yeah. 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 I mean, processed food is really anything that comes in a bag that has more than one ingredient, <laughs> you know, usually something like that. But um, I think these highly processed, some of these highly processed foods, um, they uh, they do masquerade as health food. Mm-hmm. Um We see a lot of that in this industry nowadays, especially, you know, as marketing claims have been a big thing to sell food, whether it's keto or gluten-free or, you know, plant-based or whatever, you know, you can have these Franken foods that sure they check off all the boxes, but the problem is what they are made out of are completely manufactured in a lab or they're genetically modified. So Um, encouraging people to eat more single ingredient foods, you know, where you can identify the one ingredient. Okay. It's chicken or, okay. It's beans. Oh, okay. It's a vegetable. Like let's try and identify that food. Right. Yes, for sure. And people sometimes, uh, you know, if, if parents haven't heard this before, shop the perimeters of the grocery store um, because the inside has a lot of packaged and processed foods. Um, yeah. So the the more real, whole, unprocessed foods you can eat, the better. And the other thing that's really would be really helpful for parents is to, you don't have to become an expert at it, but get a basic sense of how to read a food label. Mm. Um, Because that you'll be shocked if you start realizing like, and and what, so for example, looking at for added sugars, for food with added sugars, Uh, for anybody who's two years old to like an adult and you're supposed to have 
uh, six teaspoons of sugar a day, 24, 25 grams of sugar a day. So if you take a look in what you're eating um, and you're, you know how to read the label and you're looking for added sugars and grams, there's sugar in almost, I think they said 85% of processed foods. I mean, spaghetti sauce, things you would never, ever expect sugar. Kids, to vitamins. Oh, oh yeah. Yeah. It's yeah. Disgusting. Yeah. And yeah. especially in low fat foods. Yes. So they take out the fat, which makes it taste terrible, like cardboard. And to make it palatable, they add in a ton of sugar. Yeah. So this is this, I think this is where the kids, this is where kids nutrition is. If you look at curves of overweight and obesity in children, they started spiking up in the 80s, really. And that was uh, correlating with the low fat craze with all the sugar and yeah. all the snack foods coming in. Yeah. And so all, you know, I, I gave a talk at the local um, PTO the other night and I bought a Mountain Dew for just to show. The other thing that's really fun for parents and it's kind of eye opening for parents and kids is to actually, so buy a Mountain Dew or something, don't plan to drink it, but look at the back, 69 grams of sugar. I think it was either 96 or 69. And if you did that out, it's like 14 teaspoons of sugar. That's a great visual. I've done that at events before where I'm like, okay, look at this, but let me show you how much that is. And I literally dumped the bag of sugar on the counter and people are like, OMG. Like the visual demonstration is real. And by the way, it's not just in Mountain Dew, it's in Starbucks drinks. It's oh my gosh. Day. Yeah. I'm calling them yeah. out it's right now. Healthy yogurt. You know, it's in it's yogurt. Like, yeah. Um, yeah. Yeah. And, and it's in bars masquerading as health food. Might right. as well be a Snickers bar. Like we're, we're really not upgrading here, guys. So reading a label is fundamental. And know that sometimes the serving size is deceiving. So it might say actual serving sizes in one bottle is two servings. So make sure you're looking at the serving size to know if that's describing one or two. Um, And there's a whole movement now to, to change that. So if it's one bottle, that's meant to be a one serving that is one serving. So, yeah. And the other thing to really know is that essentially eating flour, white flour, or, you know, lots of different kinds of flours um, that pretty much breaks right down into sugar, you know, in your stomach. So people are like, well, it didn't have added sugar, you know, well, the flour, all the flour in it, you know, pretty much just turn, it turns right to sugar. All those simple carbohydrates, right? Yeah. 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 Which, um, you know, and also for everybody listening, you know, sugar presents itself in 29 different ways. You know, it's, it's maple syrup. You mean the names, the names they have for it? Yeah. It's more than 270. Yeah. Yeah. You know, it's maple syrup, it's honey, it's agave. All of those are still sugar. They're all still sweeteners. It doesn't mean that, you know, um, we're saying that there aren't benefits to some things, but the point being here, you need to look at the, that cumulative number, that guideline that you gave, which is again, 20, you said how many grams? 24 to 25 grams a day. And for babies, zero to two years old, you're supposed to have nothing. You're not supposed to be giving them any, any added, added sugar. sugar. But so that, does them- not in, that does not include fruit, correct? Right. This is a fruit is, you know, anything, you know, yes. but yeah, this is added sugars. This is like cane sugar, maple syrup or whatever. You know, these are things that are added in. Um, but all of these little baby foods, puffs or, you know, flavored biscuits, all of this stuff has added sugars, which is just kind of training training our babies. We love to see them eating it because they're so cute and the babies yeah. love them, but the babies are loving them because they have sugar. One of the cutest little things for babies that have been created is um, you can put any piece of fruit in this mesh little thing and they just suck on it and it's safe. They don't choke on it, but they get the sweetness out of it. And at least you're giving them whole 
fiber filled food, which yeah, hopefully they're getting the food fiber. <laughs> yeah, because yeah. juice doesn't and count. That's, that's the difference between eating like fruit juice, drinking fruit juice or drinking an orange. You're getting the fiber of the in the orange, which slows down the glucose absorption. Um, and so it's just so much healthier for your body. Yeah. yeah, this has been so educational and fun. And I think, you know, we owe it to our kids to plant the seed of health and wellness at a young age, because, you know, this is the first generation they're saying of children that will not have as long of a life expectancy as their parents, which is shocking. Um yeah. But the great news is, doctor, we can reverse this lifestyle change, right? Yes. Yeah. And it has to come from the individual person. It has to come from the family. The family has to do it. We're, we can't wait for, you know, the government to outlaw soda. They're just not going to do that. No. No. Um, so we, so I think that it's just understanding okay, I'm a very ancient body, you know, in a very modern time. My mm -hmm. body wasn't designed to handle these foods that are on the market today. Mm -hmm. okay. I can handle a little bit of it, but not, not in the amounts that what we're using today. Yeah. So, and the other thing is, I just, I always just feel like saying, and it's not that bad. <laughs> Your life is not going to be miserable. Like, it's going to be so much better. You're going to feel better. Your child's going to feel better. You're going to have more energy. You're going to be happier. Your school performance goes up. I mean, it's kind of like, oh man, it's going to, you know, stink to give up my favorite X, Y, or Z. But when you can shift, you know, your thought to be like, I'm choosing to give those up because I want a different result for myself. Yes. And then you give that a try and then you actually feel how good you feel. You'll yes. be like, man, I wish yes. I, I should have done this a long time ago. I always say, what's your why? You got to find out what your why is and let that be your North star, because your why is going to be more powerful than your willpower. You know, you got to fix your eyes on that and know that everything that you do to make shift happen comes from you and that why. So, um, I, I really think that we have a lot of great, uh, you know, food for thought and, and some wisdom in here for parents, but let me ask you a question. If you could design sort of the perfect plate for a child to eat, what would it look like? Let's leave out the calories and the macros yeah, yeah. here for a second. What Just kind of give us an image of what would be on that plate. What would be the best foods that you could possibly put on that plate to feed a growing body? Yeah. So obviously fruits, vegetables you know we tell kids to eat the rainbow you've probably heard that a million times okay. so um protein and carbohydrates are fine you know so you know just a just a well-rounded plate with water that's like my other big thing i'm like we don't need to be drinking all of this extra stuff just drink water yeah swap, yeah. swap the soda out for what i think that's probably the biggest step that makes the most impact that families can do swap out the juice and, and juice too and yeah. soda and water. diet soda. Yeah. yeah just and, uh, like all soda. No, right. And even the craft sodas, the ones that, again, masquerade as something right. healthier and something better. No, none of it. And just drink water and see what that one swap will do. Uh, it's pretty amazing. I, I worked on a campaign for the state of California and we did that. Um, and it was incredible to see what the results were. And quickly, like within a huh. week. You yeah. know, people were dropping weight like crazy. Yeah, it, that to me, that is very low hanging fruit. Um, but, I, you know, if, if that's if that's a habit of yours, it, it could be hard. But it is so 
it is one of the best things that you can do for your, your own health and your child's health is just stop that, you know, stop yeah. soda. It's so bad. I just, sometimes I just, you know, I'm just like, why, why does Coca-Cola even exist? <laughs> Not just Coca-Cola, you know, but I mean, well, I say to my son all the time, like, you know, there, Coca-Cola is not, it's not existing for our health. None of these products are out there to help us. You know, they're out there to make money, period. Um, and then it's up to us to realize that not only are they not helping us, they are hurting us. And so then, then we have the option, okay, I'm just not going to buy that. Yeah. So, and that is probably another subject for us when I have you back on okay. to talk about is the difference between the the health association with food and the pleasure association, because I think yeah. definitely associated food with being all about pleasure when in fact its function is not for pleasure. Its function right. is for health and yeah. for energy and productivity and how do we balance the two but we'll save that for another because okay. yeah. you and i could talk for hours. i know I just know it <laughs> dr carol thank you so much for being on and for sharing your wisdom and your practical tips i know that parents can do better if they just decide that it's that important and that's their why their why is raising healthy um, well-adjusted kids. How can people find out more about you? I have a website. Um, it's my full name. I'll spell it S H E I L A C A R R O L L Sheila Carol MD.com. I have a, um, a free download for, uh, T uh, 10 simple steps to help your child achieve a healthy weight if anybody's interested in that um, okay. but my email is on my website so if anyone wanted to reach out to me through that I'd be happy to answer any questions or respond I'm just really thrilled that you as a doctor are talking about the importance of nutrition it's really really great to hear oh, and uh, I think um, I think we can all do a little bit better for ourselves and for the people that we love by just making a couple of small changes, baby yeah. steps. Baby and, take steps the long, and take the long game. This is yeah. a, you know, this is a long process. So yeah. 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 Thank you. Thank you so much. Thanks for having me. <laughs> hey, thank you so much for listening to this week's episode. I know you have a lot of choices out there of what to listen to, what to watch. So it means a lot to me that you're here with me. And hey, if you love this content, would you hit the subscribe button? I want you around. I don't want you to just show up for one episode and leave. I want you here, part of the conversation, a seat at this table. And while you're at it, would you share this with your friends and family? And if you take a screenshot and share it on your social media with a hashtag RFYBL for recipes for your best life, I'll make sure to personally give you a shout out and you may just be featured right here on the show. So until next time, here's to living deliciously and being the chef of your best life.